Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament passage of Hebrews. The New Testament passage of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter number 11. Yes, even though we are in the New Testament, we're still continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Moses. But we want to see what the New Testament says about the event that we're covering today. We find our way to the book of Hebrews. If you're looking for it, you find the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and turn the other direction. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James, and then the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. Now in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, this is a special chapter that we often call the hall of faith. And that over and over you'll see the phrase by faith, by faith, by faith. And that we could see that as these historical biblical figures acted in faith, that their faith was preceded by an action. So because of their faith, they responded, they acted. And so this is an important passage. In fact, this is going to be our next Sunday school series of walking through Hebrews chapter 11. And it's going to be something to encourage your faith because with God, all things are possible. But as for now, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews chapter number 11. And notice with me in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 in verse number 22. Hebrews 11 and verse Number 22. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Hebrews 11, verse 22. It says, By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. And if you're in the habit of marking things, I would like you to mark a name and a noun, and I want you to tie those things together in verse number 22. We notice the name Joseph, and then the very last word in verse number 22, bones. And with the Lord's help, we want to understand and preach this message about Joseph's bones. Joseph's bones. And if you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would encourage our faith today through your precious word about your word. That you would understand this, why this idea of Joseph's bones are so important. Even now, I surrender myself to you and my goals, my ambitions, what I think needs to be done, what I think needs to be accomplished. And I surrender them to you. And I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit so you can get your own work accomplished through this word. Direct my thoughts, direct my lips, direct what I say, that they would all be lined up in what you want to get accomplished. Thank you, Lord, that we could trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. This idea, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. 
Here we can see Joseph, as he died, made a special commandment about how to take care of his bones, how to take care of his deceased body, and why is this a big deal? Now, for many of you who may not be familiar with Joseph, or those who are, as a recap, that Joseph was one of 12 brothers. And he had 12 older brothers who hated him. Because he was daddy's favorite. Now that wasn't Joseph's pick. He, was, he didn't ask to be daddy's favorite. But he happened to be daddy's favorite. And his brothers resented him. They resented him a lot. And it didn't help that he kept receiving dreams. For example, he had a dream that he was there. And he, had, he was a stock of, of wheat. And his brothers were a stock of wheat. And all of his brothers bowed down and gave honor to him. Well, when he told that to his brothers, his brothers did not appreciate the idea that one day they were going to bow down before Joseph. Later on, he had another dream that he was a star and his brothers were the stars and his mom and his dad was there. And they all bowed down and honored him. And when he told that dream, nobody appreciated that. Oh, there's the dreamer. And so finally, his brothers got a plan. They were somewhere where they weren't supposed to be. And dad had sent Joseph to go check up on them. And he went to where they were supposed to be. They weren't there. So he found out where they were. And they saw him coming down the road and said, oh, there he is. There's that dreamer. We've got to do something about him. He bothers us so much. I know. Let's kill him. Can you imagine having brothers? Maybe you don't have to imagine. Maybe you have a sibling that has tried to kill you from time to time or at least thought about it. But he had brothers that actually planned on killing him. So much that they captured him, tied him up, put him in a pit, and said, we'll kill him later. Well, his older brother said, I probably shouldn't allow this to go by. And he thought about rescuing him later. But the other brothers, the other nine, said, you know what? There's this merchant tribe of Ishmaelites coming. You know, if we kill him, we don't get anything from it. Let's sell him. And so his brothers hated him so much... They sold him into slavery into Egypt. And he didn't do anything wrong. What a life. And so he was brought to Egypt. And of course, if you recall the book of Genesis, he worked for a guy for a while. Then Potiphar's wife lied against Joseph. Joseph was thrown into prison. He didn't do anything wrong to get sold into slavery. He didn't do anything wrong to get thrown into prison. But here he is, he finds himself in prison. But eventually, God raises him up, and because of the wisdom that God has provided Joseph, he became second in command of all of Egypt. And of course, when the rest of the world was starving, Joseph was used to uh, feed the rest of the world, including his family. And his family did bow down and give honor to Joseph. Now, Joseph lived 110 years, and most commentators who study the Bible doubt if Joseph had ever ran into any other believer outside of his family. So while he's in Egypt, and he's working for Potiphar, no believers around him. While he's in prison, no believers around him. While he's serving uh, Pharaoh, no believers around him until his family comes. 110 years and never being around another believer. And yet, he had such faith and such encouragement. 
What was put into his life, the first 17 years of his life, lasted the remaining 93. Truth had been placed into the heart of the child that would serve that child for the rest of his life. There's something about placing truth inside of a child. And there was something placed in Joseph's life that sustained him for the rest of his life. Which would even come to the place dealing with his bones. As I've given you a little bit of background, let's go back and see what the Bible has to say concerning Joseph's bones. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to Genesis. Genesis in chapter number 50. Genesis, of course, is the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Genesis in chapter number 50, 50. And we come to the end of the story of Joseph's life in the book of Genesis. And as he is in uh, Egypt, uh, his father and his brothers came and brought his family. Seventy of, Seventy of them came from the promised land into Egypt during this time. And when Joseph's dad died, his brothers had a meeting because they were afraid of what Joseph was going to do for them. Notice, if you don't mind, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 50. And notice with me, starting at verse number 15. Genesis 50 and verse number 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of, the, of God thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. So Joseph's brothers, remember they sold him into slavery. They had thought about killing him. They, when their father died, they in their mind said the only reason why Joseph hasn't done anything to us is because dad's alive. But now that dad is dead, he's going to feel free to kill us. He's going to punish us. This had been so many years in the past. And so they write a letter. Dad said before he died that if you wouldn't mind to please forgive your brothers. We know your brothers did wrong. They did evil. Please forgive them. And when Joseph received this letter, he wept. He wept. He cried. Why? Is it just because he's a crybaby? He cried because his brothers didn't understand his heart. He had forgiven them already. He had forgiven them so long ago that they didn't need to ask the forgiveness again. It was already taken care of. In fact, in Joseph's mind, he was never going to bring it up ever again. It was done and over with. And yet his brothers are so insecure in their position that they're still saying, please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. And Joseph was willing just to keep moving forward. But yet they were still living in the past because of their own guilt. And remember, there's a difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction is something that God places upon us for the purpose of getting right. Guilt is something that we place upon ourselves because we cannot get over a past transgression. There's a difference. Guilt is self-imposed, whereas um, um, conviction is God-imposed. 
And there's a difference. When once something is taken care of, God never brings it up to us ever again. Aren't you glad for that? That God doesn't bring up our past? That, that God doesn't keep slinging the mud and digging it back up? He allows that wound to heal. And he doesn't pick at it. It's done and over with. This is the heart of Joseph. Now, Joseph had recognized that God had had a plan through this all. Verse number 18. And his brethren went also and fell before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Meaning, it's not my purpose to take care of you guys. I, my job was to forgive you and to forget it. It's done and over with. But notice as he tries to encourage them this. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. You know what Joseph realized? He realized that that was a part of God's plan. He was able to look past the circumstances to the God in control of the circumstances. Joseph was saying, hey, I know that you at the time meant it evil. But God used your evil plans to get accomplished his will. Because God is that good. With God all things are possible. Isn't that a great God? That God could even use the mistakes and the harms from other people to get accomplished his will. Because God is that good. And he says now look at us. We're in Egypt. We're alive. None of this would have been here if I wasn't in Egypt at this time in this place. So even though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Uh, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. You know what Romans 8.28 says. It says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. God knows what he's doing. Can you trust him? So many times we get in situations and we get the poochie lip disease. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some worms. Woohoo. And we get to the place where we're just boohooing about how bad someone treated me. Or how awful this was. I can't believe I'm here. Can you look past the circumstances and see the God of the circumstances. And see that God is still in control. That God was still right. Now Joseph knew that Egypt was not his home. He was promised a home somewhere else. Now the last thing we have to do or the last thing that we have the privilege to do is to die right. The last thing that we have the privilege to do is to die right. Notice this. Verse number 21 as he finishes up dealing with his brethren. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt he and his father's house, and Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, and the children also of Machar, the son of Manasseh, were brought upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin 
in Egypt. So here we can see Joseph, not only did he live in faith, he died in faith. He was able to die in faith because he lived by faith. What does this all mean? Well, he said God promised, God promised he was going to bring us back to a promised land. And we're not in this land yet. Right now we're still in this land. But he promised us we were going over yonder. And I have such faith that we're going over yonder that I want you to take my remains. I want you to put them in a box. And when you guys all go leave Egypt, you take my bones with me, with you, and then you bury them into the promised land. I have such faith, such confidence that you are going over that I don't want you to bury me here in Egypt. I want you to hold me with everyone until you leave Egypt. He was able to declare faith and live by faith and die in faith and say, we are going somewhere else. God made a promise and I'm expecting him to keep it. And I want to remind you of this promise. So I want you to keep my bones. That's pretty amazing. So we start off here with the idea of dying in a strange land. So Joseph died in a land that he wasn't belonging. Remember the word strange means something that doesn't belong to you. God didn't promise him Egypt. God promised him a different land. And he died in a place, not where God promised him, but he knew that he was going to end up there. And that the people were going to end up there. Which brings me to the second thing here, departing from Egypt. Departing from Egypt. Now, Moses makes mention of Joseph's bones. Turn with me, if you don't mind, in the book of um, Exodus. And look with me in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus in chapter number 13. Now, if you recall where we're at in our series, is that we just finished the ten plagues of Egypt. We just put a highlight and emphasis on the Passover lamb because the avenging spirit came and that anyone that didn't have the blood applied, that the firstborn was going to be killed that night. Then we saw that all of Egypt just kicked them out of the land and gave them whatever they needed to get out of the land. And now chapter 13, they're gathering up all their stuff, they're leaving. But notice one thing that they did not forget in the book of Genesis and chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, and notice with me in verse number 19. Genesis 13 and verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had surely or straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying that God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. He said, Moses said, let's not forget the bones. We're fixing to leave. Someone grab his bones because we're going out. And it was a testament. Now, let me remind you, why is this so important? Well, at this time, there was no written revelation of God. Later on, God is going to have Moses start pinning the first five books of the Bible. But at this time, there is no written revelation of God. And so in order to have a tangible way to remember the promises of God, Joseph said, keep my bones. And your job, whoever keeps my bones, is to pass it on to the next generation. And then the next generation. And the next generation until God carries his promises. Joseph 
had to count it down. In Genesis chapter 15, uh, let's turn there really quick. Genesis 15, so you can see it for yourself. In Genesis 15, God is speaking to Abraham, and God had promised Abraham that they were going to possess the land. Genesis chapter 15, notice with me in verse 13. Genesis 15, and starting at verse 13. God is speaking to Abraham, or to Abram at this time. And he, God, said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. That's going to be Egypt. And shall serve them, and they, the Egyptians, shall afflict them, the Hebrew people, for hundred years. And also that nation whom they will serve will I judge. And afterwards they shall come out with great substance. We just got through covering this. You know God had predicted this 400 years before the event occurred. What a great God. He knows what he's doing. In verse number 15, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, thou shalt come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So here, God is telling Abraham, let me tell you, Abraham, in 400 years, your people are going to come back to this land that I promised them. But between that time, they're going to go to a land that's not theirs. They're going to live among people that hate them. They're going to embondage them, enslave them. But don't worry, after 400 years, I'm going to bring them back to this place. This place that I promised you. And so this had been passed on orally. The promises of Abraham went to Isaac. Isaac went to Jacob. Jacob told his 12 sons. His 12 sons had carried it on. Joseph was one of those 12 sons. And Joseph saying, well, 400 years aren't up yet. I know that at this time, 200 years are left to go. And I'm not going to see the 200 years. So, I want the people not to forget the promise. So, to show by faith that the promise is going to happen, take my bones and someone is going to be responsible for keeping it. So, I want you to imagine that your dad pulls you aside. And he says, you know that box in the closet that I told you never to touch? Let me tell you why. Let me show you what's in the box. And the kid's like, all right, I can't wait. What's in here? Opens it up and it's a bunch of dusty bones. But why do you have bones in your closet? Well, let me tell you, these are Joseph's bones. You've heard of Joseph. We had Abraham, we had Isaac, we had Jacob, and one of his sons was Joseph. And Joseph was used of God to protect the people. And now we're in Egypt. But Joseph also knew that God had made a promise that we were going to a land that's not here. And we've been tasked to take these bones and to keep them until we leave. And so, son, I want you to know about these bones that one day it's going to be your job to take these bones. And you can't forget about them. You can't throw them away. Your job, I'm entrusting you to keep these bones because they are a message of God's promise. They're a reminder of God's promise. And you have an important job, son. You're going to take these bones and you're going to have to deliver them to the next generation. So that way they could learn this and the next generation could take these bones and bring them to the promised land. That I'm entrusting you to carry this promise 
until the promise is fulfilled. To carry these bones with you. Now, at that time, they did not have a written revelation of God. But you know what we have today? We have a collection of God's promises. And we have an important responsibility that we are not only to know the promises ourselves, but we're supposed to deliver these promises to the next generation so they can know the promises. And then they can deliver those promises until God fulfills his word and he comes back for us. We don't know when that's going to be. But all we've been tasked with is to make sure that this does not fade away. What would happen if the promises of Joseph's bones were delivered to someone who said, well, it's not that big of a deal. And they put him up in the attic. And then grandma came and cleaned up the attic and threw away the bones. Wouldn't that be a horrible loss? He was entrusted to make sure they were delivered to the next generation. How many generations would it take for those bones to be lost if they weren't taken care of? One. Just one. We have a responsibility. This generation has the responsibility to make sure the promises of God are delivered to the next generation. All it takes is for one generation to stop teaching the promises of God for us to lose it. Now we'll still have the word of God, but you understand what I mean? Maybe I could give an example. We know that people are knowing less and less of the Bible, which is a crime. They say that knowledge-wise, the average preacher today knows the same as the average church person 30 years ago. The average preacher today knows as much Bible as the average church person did 30 years ago. Why? Because we're not teaching the Bible anymore. We're not reading our Bible. We're not counting the promises. We're not studying it. And so less and less people are knowing about the word of God. And because it's not becoming important to them. Each generation must learn to live by faith for themselves. Maybe we could put it this way. The first generation has convictions. Meaning they've come to the place where they decided and read the Bible and come to the conclusions for themselves. The next generation has preferences. Well, this is what I prefer. This is what I prefer. Then finally it becomes opinions. And it becomes more and more watered down each generation until it doesn't matter anymore. But each generation must learn to live by faith for themselves. They must come to the conclusion for themselves. So it's not the idea, well, this is what dad believed. Or this is what grandpa used to believe. They have to come to the place where they believe it for themselves. And we must deliver these promises. We must deliver the word of God to the next generation. So they can carry it to the next generation. This is what Joseph's bones are teaching the people of Israel. That God made a promise and that someone has been entrusted with those bones. And they are entrusted not only to keep those bones, but they are to deliver that message to the next generation. We have been given the word of God and been entrusted with it. And we're not just supposed to keep it and let it be dusty in a closet. 
We're supposed to know it for the purpose of us telling the next generation about the promises of God so they can live by faith for themselves. So we start off with dying in a strange land. Then we could see this departing from Egypt. But now we get to the place of depositing his bones. Depositing his bones. Think about this. For 200 years, people carefully and purposefully were responsible for caring for Joseph's bones. 200 years from generation to generation to generation. We have been given that same responsibility. Notice what happens to Joseph's bones. Turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter 24. And by the way, if you're keeping count, this means four different books of the Bible have made mention of Joseph's bones. That's pretty significant. God is trying to place an emphasis here, woven throughout the scriptures, four different books talk about Joseph's bones. Look with me, if you don't mind, in Joshua 24, the last chapter of Joshua. And after all of the victories and all the things that go on in the book of Joshua, it ends up back on this promise. Notice with me in Joshua 24, starting at verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Tamathusari, which is in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaish. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, which were known of the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Verse 32, And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, Buried they in Shechem, and the parcel of ground which Jacob uh, bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. So as Joshua comes to the, the book of Joshua comes to the close, it goes back and says, by the way, we haven't forgotten this. They took Joseph's bones, and they buried him in the same spot that God had promised Jacob. That Joseph's bones had preached the message that they were supposed to preach. That God had promised them a land and that Joseph by faith believed God's promises and wanted his bones to be a message. And someone was entrusted to carry that message and give it to the next generation. And give it to the next generation. Until finally his bones were able to be buried in the place that God had promised the people. What an amazing story. What an amazing historical event. Preaching a message to the next generation. Of course we know Joseph's bones still speak today. They tell of a faith and a resurrection. They tell us that a day will happen where we'll get a new body. And the Bible speaks about this. That there is a real place called heaven. And there is a real thing that God has forgiven us. And God has given us real promises. The Bible says in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
God has given us. And we have the responsibility, because this promise is true, is for our generation to deliver it to another generation. This is the responsibility God has given to us to take this written revelation of God and to keep it. Remember that we're always one generation away from it disappearing. Our generation has to pass on the baton. You guys have seen a relay race where they're running and they have the baton. And the person who is about ready to finish the race has his hand outstretched with the baton. And he's giving it to the runner who's coming behind. And the runner goes to the same pace for a moment, grabs it, and he builds forward. And he runs his race. And the other person has finished their race. God has given us a race to run. And we are responsible for taking the word of God. And the teachings of God's word. And to pass it on to the next generation. So they could take it. And they could run their race. And give it to the next generation. This is our responsibility now. It's not someone else's. It's our responsibility to take the word of God. And to teach it to someone else. The Bible talks about in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Where Paul's telling Timothy. He says the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall teach others also. You have four generations in that one verse. Paul taught a Timothy. And by the way Timothy was supposed to teach the same things. Let me give you a piece of advice. Things that are different. Are not the same. They are supposed to teach. The same things. Paul taught a Timothy. Timothy is expected to teach faithful men. With the idea that they. Those faithful men. Will someday teach others. Also. This is what God has given us to do. That someone has delivered the word of God. To us. Now we are to take the word of God. And give it to the next generation. So they can carry them. On until God's promises are fulfilled. So let me ask you. Where are you at in this? Are you going to be responsible for Joseph's bones? Are you going to be responsible and carrying the promises of God and delivering them? Maybe perhaps you need to even back up further. Maybe you need to be taught God's promises. This is one of the things that we have in our church called discipleship. We define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to Christ. And everything we do in the Christian life is habits. You get in the habit of going to the uh, church. You get in the habit of reading your Bible. You get in the habit of prayer. And what we're doing is we're developing you and preparing you to take God's word. With the expectation that one day you are going to take the same things that were taught to you and deliver it to someone else. Because all it takes is for one generation to fail in their duty and it will not be carried on. Now, we understand spiritually that God said he'll preserve his word and that he'll make sure it's delivered. But we still have a responsibility in this to deliver God's promises to the next generation what place do you have in there in that chain of paul timothy faithful men and others also where are you at have you been taught god's promises maybe you just need to be a timothy maybe you're at the place where you're getting prepared to teach faithful men with the expectation that they are going to teach others also we have the responsibility to take the truth and deliver it to the next generation to let the truth go forward.
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.